Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for all of your support on Patreon making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, just general sex. I talk with old friends. I even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory where I was born and currently live. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Lauren is back to talk to us about pandemic ennui and burnout. We chat about intrusive thoughts and content warning for descriptions of suicide and graphic suicidal ideation. We've both been suicidally depressed and we want to make sure that you're safe and cared for while we take our space to have the conversation we feel like we need to have about it. So please do take care of yourself, however that looks for you. May you find a grounded, resourced place for this conversation. Or if that sentence feels like a cruel joke to you at this point in the pandemic, this might still be right for you. If it feels right, come commiserate with us. And she came out of the shower today, out of the bathroom. And she's like, you know, I just came out of the shower. When I was in there, I found like a random piece of tape attached to my boob. And I thought to myself, you know, even in sobriety, my life is still shrouded in mystery. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever related to anything anyone has ever said more. That is amazing. Even in sobriety, my life is shrouded in mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to chat with you about like the ennui of existence in a pandemic and just like because there's there's a milder much less intense parallel that is vibrating something much more intense deep inside me and there's Mm. something about you know when you're in similar situations similar environments um, with similar types of people, like where these behaviors, like addictive behaviors or or just compulsive behaviors tend to be coupled. And there's something about being like cooped up in my place and not being able to mm-hmm. go anywhere that just like brings up my background level of anxiety. Yeah. Plus there's the news, plus there's like various, mm-hmm. you know, life events happening. Um there yeah. might be a court thing in my future. It's looking very possible that I might get sued over something. So it's just like there's there's yeah. anxiety. There's there's stuff. Technically, yeah. I'm already being sued. But point being, I might be in a court at one point. And that's right. like super anxiety-inducing for me. And the same, the same goes for, like, you know, my last breakup was not good. Um, but mm-hmm. my current relationship's really positive, And my, you Yay. know, work is going quite well. Like, I nothing to complain about in those two friends that's not true who who doesn't have stuff they could bitch about if they wanted to (laughs) yeah but it it sounds like a very life balance right yeah like great things and then also anxiety stressful things Mm -hmm. yeah and dealing with those things in a pandemic world is is just i think i've just reached a level of burnout where i've just kind of checked out yeah in a lot of ways I think I started getting burnt out, pandemic burnout, about like November, December, mm-hmm. and I've just kind of lived in an a, like a lasting stretch of burnout. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, 
yeah, where it's just kind of, I'm just kind of like, well, this is just my life now. I've just kind of accepted it. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, dog in the house drinking coffee being like, this yeah. is fine. Yeah, and the kitchen's on fire. I That is my most referenced meme of all time. <laughs> so relevant to so many things in my life. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, this is fine. This is totally fine. Um, my therapist called me out on that the other day because I kept saying, like, and, you know, I'm getting sued, but that's fine. And I just kept saying, like, and this other thing shitty is happening and that's fine and my therapist was like you know it's okay that if things aren't fine right i was like what is this what is this foreign language you're speaking yeah it's kind of like well if i give myself an okay to fall apart about this that means i have to fall apart about everything and i just i have to get out of bed in the morning there's a whole Suez canal back up right now of shit i could fall apart over yeah exactly but i think um like that we were saying nostalgia for depression i think that's what's kind of nudged me um i've also kind of come to the realization i i did this thing okay in the first few months of um <laughs> sobriety where i went off all of my meds i went off my reuptake inhibitors and all that oh okay because i over i overcompensated for my addiction being that i took my use my self-medicating use of drugs and alcohol, which had been with me from the age that I started experiencing um, mood disorders sure. um, and major, you know, major de- depressive When did you disorder. first start and, and I, experiencing those? I was first diagnosed with clinical depression when I was 14. Yeah. And I, that's when I first was on um, meds, but oh, I think okay. probably pretty young. Pretty young, I, I, I realized that I was just sad all the time for no fucking reason. Yeah, like, I was diagnosed at 34, but my first attempt on my life was at 7, so <laughs> go figure. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow, my gosh. Um, there were reasons. My first attempt was, yeah, my first attempt was 17. But sure. I was very much a problem child long before that. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and then as I grew older, it was, okay, well, you have, um, major depressive disorder and and, uh, anxiety and panic disorder. And I did this thing where when I got off, you know, I got through the first couple of months of of, um, sobriety, uh, which were turbulent to say the least. And then I landed on a nice fluffy pink cloud where I felt alive and everything was great. And so I, where is this cloud? uh, (laughs) Not everybody gets on the cloud. It doesn't last for long, but holy fuck. It's better than any kind of fucking MDMA mushroom mix you could ever possibly imagine. I would, I would be satisfied right now with just falling through the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally stopping to smell the roses. Wow. Like some kind of fucking like 1930s dancing in the rain musical, honestly. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was ridiculous. I, it was, I was taking pictures of trees. Uh, I was listening to a lot of Alan Watts. You know, I started buying crystals for no foreseeable reason, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't. I it's in a box somewhere now. That's my fantastic. Didn't work. But I, I basically thought that my whole life, drugs and alcohol were the only problems. And then I didn't. You know, I was misdiagnosed. I'm not actually. I don't have depressive disorder. I'm not depressed anymore. And so I just, that's just what I thought. I just thought, well, I'm fixed, which was obviously very naive. And um, what I've had to kind of 
face the reality of is that was that's not true <laughs> that's not true um and i i started um like i was saying before feeling really nostalgic for those depressive episodes mm-hmm. you know and i've had to kind of look at some of my recent behavior of the past few months of like i know that obviously being in a pandemic and you know it being winter i'm going to be inside more often but the like extreme lengths of isolation I went to of not leaving my room for, you know, two straight weeks mm-hmm. of, you know, like I, I couldn't find a pair of socks one day. And so I was like, fuck it. I went to bed at like 6 PM. <laughs> I was going to go grocery shopping and I, and I couldn't find a pair of socks. And I was like, I, I'm done. I'm not going to eat dinner. I'm going to bed. This is done. Like, I, I get <laughs> you know, it. it's like the, I, I oversalted a stir fry and I cried on the floor and then went to bed. So like, this is not just pandemic, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> like, I had to kind of take a look at what was going on. And, and then for a long time I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. You know? Right. Um, and, and I've had to kind of face the reality of like, well, fuck. Honest. <laughs> I think I have depressive disorder. <laughs> I, I get it. Honestly, what I'm facing right now is I, so I actually planned like a fucking champion this past year. Oh my God. When the pandemic hit, I went and got medication for depression because I knew I was going to need it in the winter. And that's what I told yeah. my doctor. My doctor was like, well, you haven't even been diagnosed with depression yet. And I did the PHQ nine or whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was actually so funny. I don't know that I've, I probably even told you this story. So it's not just the listeners who will be bored. You might as well, but just let me know if I have. <laughs> Um, but filling out the first PHQ-9, like I I tacked it onto some other minor medical ailment. And because of the way, you know, for the American listeners that um, Canadian healthcare works, like we try and keep it to one issue per visit um, because they bill a flat amount to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So it's all free, but you kind of have to be mindful of how much time you're taking with the doctors because they do not really go over 15 minutes for a GP regular consultation. Although if you're with a specialist, obviously yeah. they do. So... Mm-hmm. He was basically like, you really should just like, we, should, we need to make another visit over that. Like, I haven't printed the forms. Like, I'm not really ready to do it. Like, let's just, just make another visit for it. And I was like, okay. And then when I like stood up to go, he was like, you're not suicidal right now, are you? And I was like, not immediately, no. I was like, I'll make an appointment in like the next couple of days. It'll be fine. Oh. But then when I came in to fill it out, like he was sort of like, I, I got the sense that he was like, oh, okay. Like it's it doesn't seem like it's that bad. Like you're super functional. Like, what do you mean you're super depressed? And then like <laughs> reading the PHQ nine, he was like, I noticed you checked very often for a lot of your answers. Yeah. <laughs> like the <laughs> questions are pretty bad. They're like, when was the last time you were suicidal? Like how often do you have suicidal thoughts? Like they're pretty, pretty yeah. intense. And I was like, well, they yeah. don't really define their terms in my defense. I'm like, yeah. what do you even mean by suicidal thoughts? Like, does that just include like thoughts of how nice it would be to die or like how good it would feel yeah. to like be in a lot of pain like or like, like, yeah. like lethal amounts of pain? Like, yeah, or like the not existing is like the nice kind of suicide. That's like mm. the peaceful yeah. kind of like just being pulled into the earth, feeling so powerfully mm-hmm. crushed and sad. I'm like, that is like the fucking romantics like way of, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like of all the types of depressives, yeah. at some point I need to write a book and talk about the different types of depressives. Cause like that is some serious Titanic bullshit right there. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know that uh, case that was uh, in the news a couple of years ago with the girl suing her parents for bringing her into the world? 
the older I get, the more I fucking get it, I'm man. I'm sorry. I, at first, I was like, she's crazy. That's ridiculous. And now I'm like, she should have fucking won that. Like, That's hilarious. I am firmly in the side of understanding where she was coming from with that. That is fucking <laughs> like, hilarious. She sued her parents yeah. over... You didn't hear this? Yeah. She literally sued her parents for having her because she did not want to be born she was just like i have to pay bills and deal with my brain and be a person and i asked for any of this shit i think it was it wasn't that she thought she was going to win any money and she clearly didn't but i think it was just a person who was fed up with being a person and she was like i like i, I have to do something and so i'm like i'm gonna sue my parents because i didn't fucking ask for this and of course, you know, yeah, that's a I'm statement. Like, well, that's ridiculous. And now I'm like, I think we could be friends. Like, I think <laughs> me and her, on a fundamental level, get like get each other. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, the romanticizing of it, um, I definitely relate with. For sure, and there is that. So interestingly, um, who talks about this? Malcolm Gladwell in his new book, Talking to Strangers, talks about this, talking about how behaviors are coupled. And that's true for suicide as well, that like a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are suicidal when they're really depressed have this like romanticized idea about a specific method that they want to use. And there's like there's a lot of incorrect information out there where people seem to believe if you want to kill yourself, you'll find a way. I think that's something we tell ourselves because we can't cope with the trauma of the people we've lost. I say that as someone who's had um, an intimate partner try and kill herself in front of me. Um, Not to mention having a mom that regularly threatened to kill herself if I didn't do things like the dishes. Um, So I've had a lot of experience with people threatening to kill themselves or genuinely attempting it to the very best of their ability and narrowly, narrowly failing. Sorry. Um, and like that's yeah. fucking traumatic and i used to tell myself for a long time um you know like ultimately she's wanted to do that since she was you know v- since she was very young this wasn't her first attempt it wasn't even her second like she's had many attempts before she had attempts after um and mm-hmm. one day i believe she will succeed and i genuinely hope she doesn't genuinely genuinely she's a good human but um yeah. but i've kind of resigned myself to that because i was so traumatized by not being able to stop it when it happened but when you look mm-hmm. at the data, when they changed, um, according to Gladwell, when they changed the type of gas in English homes um, so that you couldn't kill yourself in your oven um, using right. town gas or whatever it was called, um, because there wasn't any carbon monoxide that uh, there was no carbon monoxide that came out of their stoves. They had to overhaul their whole gas system for the country. Like it was very expensive. Wow. Um, but suicides dropped like a stone because yeah. once people didn't have this you know, this calming way to go odorless, tasteless gas, they could prep mm-hmm. themselves so that their body would look good first. Um, and then go and put yeah. their head in the oven and just die from carbon monoxide poisoning. And it was like a nonviolent way to go that didn't like mangle your corpse. Yeah. So like I'm just writing down here, content warning for suicide to put at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> content warnings are important. Um, but yes, the are. point is I that these things are coupled. So if you can get yourself away from the method you've, you've like coupled yourself to, um, and mm-hmm. just make that very unlikely, um, yeah. that can be a strategy. There's a strategy I used for a long time of staying well. And by well, I mean alive, yeah. obviously I wasn't well, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel like I totally derailed you. You were talking about, um, Oh no, no, that's, 
I, I think that's an important thing to talk about. And um, I'm really sorry you went through that trauma and I can relate to it. I had a close family member um, attempt uh, more than once as well uh, in close proximity to me. So it's and, and I think this is something that so many people just are afraid to talk about, yeah. um, you know, uh, depending on their comfort level with it. But like and, and you know, coming from a person uh, you know, myself included, I have absolutely, um, romanticized my own, my own suicide sure. in the past. And a lot of it for me, my, like what I would couple with and like what I would fantasize mm-hmm. about was overdosing. Sure. And what was dangerous for me was the fact that when I really got into the wheels off usage, I really wouldn't care right. about, about being safe with what I was using. Sure. Because I was kind of like, well, if I overdose, eh, there you go, <laughs> you know? Right. You're like two birds, one stone. There you go. Exactly. Um, So that's just an added benefit of being clean, too, is I've been able to decouple from that. That's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm I'm happy that you were able to do the same. Yeah. I mean, I I coupled to a really difficult method when I was really young um, because of the way that people told me that suicide was like the coward's way out. And I was like, so what I'm hearing is I need to kill myself in such a grandiose fashion that no one can ever look at it and say, Oh, that was a coward. Yeah. Um, so I went with like the, the dowsing with gasoline and lighting self on fire. Cause uh, oh, wow. the, the chance of surviving that too is a huge fear because you can survive mm. that and it would yeah. not. And then you're a burn yeah. for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life on yeah. your whole body. Like it would be a horrific mm-hmm. thing to wake up from. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, thinking about it more, I'm like, I feel like Denethor had the right idea. Denethor. Uh, the... Oh my God. Did you really? Well, yeah. Like <laughs> he did. Like you gotta light yourself on fire and laughing, but that was oh, that was a Lord of the Rings uh, reference, really out of left field, man. And I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, that was sorry, that was Chef Kiss. <laughs> I'm so glad that you appreciated it. <laughs> the more Lord of the Rings uh, references I can sneak into my daily life, uh, the better. Yeah, and I mean, what an odd sorry. conversation to do it in. But so Denethor kills himself by yeah. lighting himself on yeah. fire. Well, technically, technically he's burning his son's body and he covers himself in oil, lights himself on fire and then does Mm -hmm. a screaming run all the way off of the fucking like huge bastion of Minas Tirith and just falls like stories and stories and stories and stories. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's that's one way to go. (laughs) You're like, yep, that's it. That's a choice. That's a choice, Denethor. That's a choice right there. Oh man. Um, but you, you, yeah, and that's it, that's such like a uh, an image. Like that is a. It's real... iconic. It's like the beacons yeah, of Minas absolutely. Tirith. Like once you see it, you're never gonna unsee it. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. So yeah. fortunately, <laughs> that is incredibly difficult to do psychologically. As well as, like, it's just so inaccessible. Like, if someone saw you dowsing yourself with gasoline, they'd probably try and stop you. Uh, Yeah, I would would say so. I mean... Absolutely. Unless you're just, you know, scaring them, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can can see someone who's about to jump off a bridge and not know for sure that's what they're doing. But if that person's holding a fucking can of gasoline and dowsing themselves, you know what's up. Yeah, that's yeah, that is a very valid. There's point. no explaining yeah, that absolutely. to your kids. You're like, oh no, that no. Uh, that person just really wanted to take a shower in in whatever was in yeah. that. Uh, let's just whatever keep driving. Was, was yeah, yeah. Yep. So dark, yeah. very dark, but uh, that's, that's, that's. 
I will write down content warning for graphic descriptions of suicide. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's not something to be taken lightly by any means. Sure. But, sure. You know, it's, 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 we all have these intrusive thoughts. Yeah. You know, I mean, give me one person who has not had an intrusive thought of just being like, oh, a train's coming. Jump into tracks. Sure. You know, like, Oh yeah. When, so that's, that's how I, I know a lot of those. That's one of the ways I know is like, how bad are my intrusive thoughts? Like before I got mm -hmm. medicated, it was like down to like this fine gradient of like, is it just thinking about ways of suffering and that helps improve my mood and helps me cope? Cause like one thing they did mm -hmm. was they showed, um, and the funny thing is I never cut or burned growing up. Um, mm -hmm. but I would like emotionally self harm gruesomely. Oh um, and visualize yeah, gruesomely yeah. and it's just like it's yeah. hard to explain to people but yeah no i definitely have this fine gradient of like how alarmed am i about suicide right now like how worried am i and so when people are like yeah. oh you're suicidal right now i'm like like less suicidal <laughs> than i've like like so much less suicidal than, than other times so i'm like yeah okay yeah. so maybe i'm having suicidal ideation but I like mm -hmm. comparatively to the rest of my life, I'm like, so what? Uh, you know, yeah. like how bad is? No, I I understand that because it's kind of like, do you mean are the letters written right. or right. are they still a draft in my mind? Exactly, like, you know? exactly that. Although after watching the yeah. movie Love Liza, I don't think I could ever write a letter. I have not watched it, and and I don't I don't know that I want to right now. That's fair. But at some point, <laughs> if you're ever in a really stable place and you want material to convince mm -hmm. you not to write letters, that movie will do it. Okay, uh, okay. good to know. Um, but yeah, I think the the emotional self harm is a really good indicator for where you are yeah. because I, man, no one can hurt my damn feelings as well as I can, and I literally have like have the capacity to like blow up these massive constructs and fantasies in my mind of things that could happen um or that i would do or that would happen to me and like like whole conversations in my head and stuff about it and then and i work myself into a state of such like intense emotional grief over something that hasn't happened and that i'm not going to you know act on oh my god the treadmill yeah like the tread the thought I'm, treadmill I'm sitting in bed and i'm like what why am i doing this I, why? Why? <laughs> you know, it's like it literally hasn't happened. It's very unlikely to ever happen. Mm -hmm. So why am I spending yeah. forty minutes instead of sleeping thinking about this intrusive, oh hypothetical, anxious thought? Oh my god! I'm so happy to hear that someone else says that. Do you ever <laughs> get worried that you're manifesting it and it's going to happen? I don't, but I've also I do. I've done a lot of science education, so I'm like. <laughs> I need to do that because sometimes I'm just kind of like, nope, don't say it because I've done that in the past and then things have happened. Right. So I'm almost like scared to have these hypothetical like scenarios running through my brain to the point that I'm awake and I'm crying sure. because then I'm just like, oh God, now you've thought it's going to happen. Right. So your anxiety, that's anxiety. That's anxiety. your anxiety is making new anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. Anxiety literally can spin its the wheels gift forever. The keeps me. on giving. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, and and I think in this pandemic, back to the pandemic, yeah. it is really interesting the ways that my anxiety has decided to show up. It it's kind of like it's it's almost like the virus itself. It's virus itself. It's had to mutate. Interesting. You know. Yeah. Because in certain areas of my life I'm doing really well. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like you were saying, like you're, you've got a great job and a great relationship. Those two things have really aligned for me as well. Um, and you know, I've been able to foster so many great relationships with new people. Like the people that have come into my life over the past year are just such amazing, beautiful, magical creatures that I like feel are like fairy godmothers. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, those areas of my life are so, are so great. And financially I'm doing a lot better and my life is manageable. Amazing. Um, but I, you know, living in this like really bizarre world that we're living in right now, because mm-hmm. bizarre is really the only word I can use to describe it at this point. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. Anxiety and depression have kind of just found strange ways to kind of manifest in my life. Yeah. And it's like in different ways than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So that had, that's been something I'm trying to kind of like to the point that like, <laughs> like, I get anxious about me leaving the stove on or about like the house burning down. Interesting. And then my anxiety has kind of run with that to the point that when my boyfriend is like, I'm coming over, I'm literally like, did you turn your coffee maker off? Like I'm worrying about shit at his house now. Right. Because you're like, but if you burn down your place and I burn down my place, then we're not going to have a place to stay. And he's like, do you know how unlikely one of those two events is? so wonderful about it because i've explained to him that this is anxiety that he's right. like yeah it's like it's fine he's not like you're a weirdo why oh like, he doesn't you know? he doesn't try and rationalize it away or like oh, he's God. just supportive who is this magical yeah. securely attached I, creature i don't what well, i don't know he's someone i conjured so you know well you, you let know me know it. if your relationship's not monogamous and he's queer i'm just saying I will. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! That he's going to be very flattered. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and it, it also, like, um, before we leave, like, my house is pretty small. I have my room, and then there's like two other rooms for my two roommates, mm-hmm. and then like a shared space in the bathroom. Like, it's not a, it's not a big place. But before we leave anywhere to go out. Um, I ask that he makes sure everything's off and then I go and make sure that everything's off. And then I kind of have to like, like I, so he even, I think feel like a normal person would be like, Oh, you don't think that I can check that everything's off. You have to go and check it. He's just like, okay. So you just want to like verify for yourself, even though that you know, everything's yeah. off. And then I did a good job that you have to go and check. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, that's fine. Do you want me to check again? And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes, but and I love you. <laughs> That's awesome. Because he just he knows that I'm going to be on the train, and I just don't trust myself, you know, Oof. to remember if I've turned the hair straight enough. That's... This is what my anxiety does. Like I know that I. Did. So I've had yeah. I've had this hypothesis about my anxiety that my anxiety about the future is a lack of trust in myself having the tools to be able to manage the situation with what I have on hand then. Okay, that is you literally just described what my anxiety is doing to me currently. So then for me, the way that I try and cope is reminding myself like, okay, but real talk, like, do I have everything I need? What's the worst possible outcome? And I got this exercise in counseling where literally I'll be like, okay, what's my anxiety on a scale of one to 10? And I'll be like, okay, it's like a three right now. And I'm like, what's my anxiety when I think about, you know, I'm going out to this place or doing this thing. 
and I'm like, oh, okay, it's like at a five and a half, like, or a five, like it's, it's creeping up. Cause consider I'm also medicated right now, but I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's hitting like a five out of 10 and I'm like, okay, well, what's the very worst case scenario that could happen? And I'm like, I show up without pants and I'm like, no, 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 like realistically <laughs> might actually happen. And I'm like, okay, well, I already have pants on. So that's pretty, I'm, yeah. pr- I'm unlikely to take them off somehow between here and yeah. there. You've got the pants thing on. Yes. Like, I feel like I've got that, like, bam, I nailed it. I'm wearing pants. So then I'm like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? I was like, okay, I could get dehydrated and not have access to hydration. I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. That is, that is possible. And it does affect my IBS. And like, it does affect my Mm -hmm. health, like more than hydration would for normal, for a person that doesn't have the same, you know, bodily needs that my body has. So I'm like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But I already have two bottles, like two liters filled with water with just a spritz of Gatorade powder, like a teaspoon for a liter so that, you know, my mm-hmm. electrolytes stay balanced. Even if I chug two liters of water, um, I'm like, OK, right. so that's not really a concern. I'm like, OK, well, I'm worried I'm going to get hungry. I'm like, all right. So I also packed myself something. I'm like, OK, what do I actually need? And if I can't think of anything, I'm like, OK, I have to trust myself and believe that I have done my very best job at making sure I have everything that I need and that if I get there and I need something and I don't have it, that that's okay. And that that's what every person has to cope with. And it's not healthy for me to go around in these circles. And I think anyone with anxiety is like, well, duh, I know it's not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, I just have to like, and I'm not saying this gets rid of it. I'm saying it, it downgrades no. me. So then at the end of this like coping strategy, I can be like, okay, what's my anxiety now? And I'm like, well, my anxiety is still a three. But when I think about going to this thing, I've made peace that I'm probably mm-hmm. going to forget something and that's okay. But I've made sure that I am wearing pants, have hydration and food. And I think I'm going to be okay. That sounds like a very grounding technique. God, that took that so long. Like, that sounds like, it sounds like anxiety harm reduction. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, and and I'm I'm there for it. It's and it's how I like, feel about depression I'm too. Gonna try to do that. I'm just like harm yeah. reduction. Like we need again, like yeah. ending the binaries. Stop pretending that like an abstinence is the right thing for a lot of people. Unfortunately, it's very hard to do with anxiety. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's like when your when your mental health suffering of choice is also part of everyday life in small amounts, and you're like, well, fuck. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of being faced with that at this point, because when I decided to get clean, I, I chose abstinence because I just did not trust myself to be on anything mm. and to be able to go through this journey. That's... And now I'm facing the choice of do I do I go back on to some medication? Right. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be a very interesting road I will be going down. Well, and, the sh- and it's kind of going to be in the next phase of of some therapy the shittiest thing for for me thinking about that situation is also like being on meds isn't the hard part getting on meds is the fucking hard part that's the hard part because i've like in giving up control and by that i mean admitting i'm powerless yeah um that does control is a really tricky thing with addiction recovery Mm -hmm. so basically to get control of our lives back, we have to give over to the acceptance that we have no control over our addiction. And then anytime that I'm trying to control something too tightly, like it's like, like playing God in your life or trying to control other people's actions or trying to control mm-hmm. like food intake or something like that. Right. That's when, you know, those are danger zones, right? Yeah. So <sighs> trying to wrap my head around, 
um, controlling my mental health. It, it, it kind of throws me into this blizzard of, of confusion, you know? Um, it's really, yeah. A hundred percent. Like that is exactly the thing that connected the last episode we recorded to this one was mm-hmm. you had, we had talked and I had basically, I had mentioned at one point, maybe it was the episode before last, um, where I had said something along the lines of, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of confusion Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I'm feeling in the pandemic. And I can't imagine how much other people are feeling it too. Like this listless, directionless sense of like, like, is this all there is? Um, right? This winter is just so hard on me. And I knew it was going to be. Remember how I said I rocked it for yeah. planning my mental health meds? Mm-hmm. So I had, I knew that this winter was going to be really tough. So I started troubleshooting a medication literally yeah. in like late spring, early summer, before the winter because I knew it was going to take a month to acclimatize. And this was having never been on meds before. I knew I might have to search around for a different med. Um, but I was very clear about my needs with my doctor and I went and researched tons and tons and tons. And I was super impressed that my doctor picked a med where I was like, I'm going to go and do research first before I come back for a prescription. I went and did research and was like, this is actually a medication I would, I would actually take. Like, I can't believe the doctor actually listened to what I had to say. This is not everyone's experience. Um, no. waited for me to do yeah. my research and come back and then prescribed me that yeah. medication. And I was like, yeah, like you knocked it out of the park. It was one of like two medications I was thinking I might actually try two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ironically, um, because the vortioxetine I'm on doesn't really impact my whole body in the same way. Like it's, it's a very specific selective reuptake inhibitor. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, cause there's like, it's kind of complicated. There's just, there's a lot of, um, what is it? 5-hydroxytryptophan? Is that what it's called? 5-HT receptors? Your serotonin ones? I'm going to Google this so I don't lead people astray. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm just going to Google it really quickly. 5-hydroxytryptamine is what... There's 5-hydroxytryptamine receptors. I knew it was off a little bit. Um, but mm-hmm. there are basically just lots of these 5-HT receptors, and they all affect different parts of your body, which is why medications that treat for, like, gastric disorders sometimes... Um, are 5-HT receptor-based, but they're like subtype 3 or something. I don't know if that's the right one, but one of them, mm-hmm. a couple of them are for gastric motility. And then the reason that like citalopram and escitalopram are literally the same medication, but different dosages and they're just, they're different. So I'm trying to think of the easiest way to explain this. You know how you have a left hand and a right hand and they're both hands, but you yeah. can't superimpose mm-hmm. them on each other? Like, if you try and put your right hand over your left hand, you're like, these hands are actually different. Well, the Mm -hmm. Greek, I think it's the Greek word for handedness that's chirality. And there's this whole branch of chemistry called chiral chemistry that they discovered through thalidomide causing causing birth defects, which is terrifying and horrible. But it did lead to us understanding that when we take molecules and one of them looks like a left hand and one of them looks like the mirror image of it. It looks Mm. like the same thing, has the same melting, you know, and, and boiling points and all that jazz. Um, but it isn't the same thing. So one of those hands will, you know, cause birth defects and the other one will get rid of morning sickness. And when you have a mixture of both of those hands together, it's called racemic. So citalopram is a mixture of both the R and S forms. Um, I think it's, I think it stands for rectus and sinister, which is the Latin for left and right. So they mix Greek for hand with the Latin for left and right. I'm like, whatever science whatever you do you. Uh, yeah i'm like you do yeah. you you clearly aren't linguists i don't care anymore i'm sure there's this there's a historical reason for like 
because yeah. there was a different a different handedness system historically, and then we transitioned to this one because it had to do with the direction that light was rotated. But let's not get into it. That's oh my well God. past yeah. the scope. <laughs> well, because you might lo- you might lose me on someone that figured out that if you purify a compound, the left hands will rotate light that goes through it a certain way, and the right hands will rotate it the opposite way. I'm like, who figures that out? Also, you're a genius. Um, yeah. Not to mention there are compounds you can make that will slow down one form more than the other. So you can produce what's called a chiral column, which is where you have a column and then you put um, you put this mixture through and all the left hands come out first and then all the right hands come out later or vice versa, depending on what you pack it with. But I'm like. That's brilliant. Like, who came up? Anyway, so as a result of this, escitalopram, which is spelled E-S-citalopram, is actually the mm-hmm. S-citalopram enantiomer. So it's, it is the sinister um, of the enantiomer, the sinister one. The sinister. I love that the sinister. That it's called sinister. Well, because we have that association with evil because apparently people lying, yeah. like, glance to their left or something. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently where that comes from, or so I've been led to believe. I'm learning a lot right now. Yeah, it wasn't my intention, but uh, I'm also a science nerd. So, like, I get on these rants, yeah, and then I'm like, super interesting. and don't even get me started about the etymology behind these words, because, like, <laughs> I'm I'm that person that's like, polyamory, more like multiamory or polyphilia. I don't actually say that. I'm perfectly happy with polyamory as a term. <laughs> But I used to be that person. Uh, and so anyways, the point is yeah. the S enantiomer actually functions on different 5-HT receptors than a racemic mixture of the S and the R enantiomers. So regular citalopram has all of these like potential side effects that are associated yeah. with one of the hands, but not the other one. And most of the antidepressant effect is associated with the other hand. So some very smart and very capitalistic people figured out how to purify one hand from the other and verified because there's this weird effect where sometimes one hand will mutate back into the other hand, which is what happened in the case of thalidomides. They thought they'd purified it and then one flip-flopped back into the other. So they were like, this won't cause birth defects. And then it caused birth defects. And then it yeah, did. Because they didn't understand chiral chemistry at all. And wow. that sucks. That just wow. sucks so hard. That That's, that's awful. Yep. It's, it was a problem for all the women that took it, and it is a catastrophe. However, um, talking about mental health, the same chemistry, mm-hmm. ironically, um, has now allowed us to purify S- escitalopram as different from citalopram. So there are fewer, like, you don't get QT elongation. You don't get, like, heart issues. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be Googling this right now. But you know what? I trust you, dear listener, to Wikipedia the shit out of this. And you can, like, <laughs> post on Facebook if I was wrong about any of it. At go. least I caught the that it was 5-hydroxytryptamine. Yeah. Yeah. TLD, that's, TLDR. That's mind-blowing. Crazy scientific really resolution has led to marginally better, less side effects on medications. Yeah. Also, I heard... Cer- and these are... Sorry, I was going to say, I heard sertraline was a really good, like, first line. Like, you give it a shot first and see how you do. I looked at the sexual yeah. side effects on... Tr- on um, sertraline and I'm like this is trash and unless it works for you you I don't think personally as a lay person with no medical training I don't think anyone should start on sertraline I think the side effects and the cost benefit are not there I think people should start on citalopram personally yeah I was on sertraline for a really long time 
and I can guarantee you that it is trash. Look, the, the, well, the, so the funny thing is, I've had people that are on the medication I'm on right now say that that medication <laughs> was horrible for them. And, like, Vortioxetine's been amazing for me. But some people yeah. I know are like, no, it was fucking terrible. Like, it ruined my life. So I'm like, yeah, these medications are yeah. going to affect people really differently depending on your body and your brain chemistry. And there's no easy way to know how it's going to affect you before you take it so basically it's a crapshoot which is why doctors are like fuck it try sertraline try whatever but i'm like it's yeah. not really that simple in my opinion i really feel strongly that people should no. um do their own research make their own cost benefit analysis and figure out whether it's worth it for them um some people are totally abstinent and they're like no i'm going to use mindfulness and i'm going to use you know yoga and stretching and exercise yeah. and i'm like you go be a superhuman because that shit is it would work for me <laughs> if i could motivate myself to do it while i'm depressed which i can't and and there it is that therein lies the problem cuz i i was going to try and be one of those super people and and try to just do it on will self will alone and that is the reason why for so many people abstinence does not work without a program and that is why that did not work for me for my mental health because i cannot impose myself to be better on self-will i just can't i don't have the motivation depression hits and i'm just like i'm not going to journal i'm just going to watch american dad for five hours <laughs> <laughs> i don't you know so yeah and that's and, and like you were saying about all the different side effects and what works well and what what doesn't, I don't. I've been on so many of them. I think I've been on five different kinds you know, props. of both SSRI and SNRIs sure. medications, and and I really never found one that worked for me over a long period of time. And so, you know, my kind of debate I'm having with myself constantly is, do I go back into this knowing that? there's a good chance that this isn't going to work. And I'm putting myself through, you know, a lot to get a desired result that I don't even know if I desire. And you don't or even know if it'll work. Do I try? Yeah. Or, and don't, it might not even work and make me, you know, feel like I'm crazy or get me back to being suicidally depressed. I'm, I'm literally in the same did. place right now because I, yeah. I kind of need to go off the Vortioxetine and try something like citalopram, like a more traditional one. Um, I was mm -hmm. going to go on to sertraline because that's supposedly like a pretty good first line one. And now I'm just like, sertraline's trash. Yeah. <laughs> and at yeah. least for me, like it's trash in terms of <laughs> yeah, like, it was for me my, when I looked at the side effects and the, and the, and the probability of those side effects, the incidence in the population in some cases, like sexual side effects were something like four to five times as likely. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, the, my yeah. relationship is one of the few things going really well in my life right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's not throw a wrench in like, that if we can help it, As right? much as she would be amazing, I'm sure, and be like, this is totally okay. I'm like, no, I'm going to blow you. <laughs> 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 like, plain and simple. Like, I, oh. I don't care. Like, so the nice thing about being in kink, the thing that I think has really given me, like, a sense of peace and self-confidence underneath all the tears, like... Is this idea that like one very few people are ever going to be bigger than my fist? It's just not going to happen. Like it's not anatomically really possible. Um, that's something I learned from the first the first partnership where I was a unicorn in. Um, that's that's what the the guy said about just not being. Yeah. He was such a good human. I'm just I really cared about him. Yeah. He was nice. Um, yeah. But you know we ended up. I was kind of. Uh, some people talk about being monogamish and having guest stars. I was more of a guest star or a unicorn in my very first non-monogamy experience. 
And that was lovely. I was just really happy yeah. to be that person. And they were such a lovely couple. Like they honestly gave me such a great introduction on monogamy. But, uh, yeah, and that, that was where I moonlit quite, quite a bit as well. It, it can be a really fun space, but you got to make sure it's with the right people. Yeah. Yes, you you want to be a yeah. unicorn that's being fed like clovers and pets. You don't want to be a unicorn that's being hunted. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think that's what ended up happening for me. And that's why I was kind of just like, okay, I'm closing this chapter for now. Yeah. And then, you know, people also, other chapters in my life started taking People treat femmes badly just in general, but in the non-monogamy space, there is all kinds of weird shit, like one penis policies and, and fetos and like people being like, oh, you have to be okay with this for me. And then they're not okay with it for you. And like the yeah. stories I've heard from femmes about being quote unquote tertiaries, whatever the hell that means is like, you don't need to like hierarchically rank the importance of people in your life. But I'm getting yeah. into some controversial territory because what I usually say is I'm good with hierarchies of obligation. I'm not good with non-negotiated hierarchies of control. And a lot of the time when people negotiate hierarchies of control in non-monogamy, they don't. They just, they just say, like, here is the hierarchy. Do you consent to that? And people don't have the information to really understand what that means. Like... Right. Who has power to make you stop talking to me? Do I get to say goodbye to you first? These are questions that people don't necessarily yeah. ask because it seems weird to ask. And you're already so far off normal for some folks. This is yeah. like a new weird experience. And you're like, this is going to be yeah. fun and sexy. And I'm caught up with all this lovey energy. And like, ooh, I totally yeah. get yeah. that. I'm like, you know, almost a homewrecker right now. And like, I get that this person yeah. has, re you know, there's all this like internalized, you know, like anti-non-monogamy that people are like hating on themselves with and then they're like yeah you know if she's angry she has every right to be and it's like well hold on a sec like maybe we should all talk about our feelings and everyone goes nah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh well yeah I, I can tell you've navigated so many areas of this because i i've i've had brushes with all of that and that was kind of where i was like yeah i think i'm just gonna go back to being single and not you know just legit <laughs> Yeah, it just got it got too much. You can really only have so many airs, uh, uh, balls in the air juggling. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I also would have accepted yeah. you can only really be squeezing two balls at once, but that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. I mean, when you see those really um, good jugglers getting ready to do like five or six balls at the same time, they've got like four in their hands. I'm like, yeah, you can only really be handling yeah. four balls at the same time. Unless you're very talented. Yes. That's yeah, that's true. And then, you know, for me, juggling all of these different balls and having one of them <laughs> being addiction on fire. So one of them are on fire sure. and, and it's catching all the other balls on fire. I'm kind of just like, if I can ease myself out of this situation to make something in my life less complicated, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. And that's eventually what ended up happening to everything. Right. right? And, that, and that was <laughs> kind of the chapter that closed for me on my monogamish experiences and so. I mean, you've basically had your whole life conditioning you with monogamous stories and some form mm -hmm. of skill, whatever that looks like in terms of navigating a monogamous relationship to suddenly be like, I'm going to try non-monogamy is like, well, yeah. you got 30 years of catch up to play, but yeah, like there are books, there are people, there's community that's pretty supportive if you're white. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> holy shit i'm sorry i didn't mean to drop a truth bomb on you there but it's that's 
That's horrible and probably so true. Um, well, just as a person who's not white, I feel like I kind of get licensed to say that more than some. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But but yes, yeah. I agree with you. It's a bit of a bombshell, and it's more true in some communities than others. But yeah. yeah. I mean, hell, we can't even get people to stop saying poly and say, like, polyamorous or polyam or just non-monogamy. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure that brings up the whole polygamous thing. But it it lot. does, but it also brings up, like, Polynesian folks and, like... Oh, because yeah. the Polynesian diaspora is so widespread, they look for poly events, and now all they find are events with lots of like middle class bougie white people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not what they're looking for. I'm sorry, dear listeners. Oh. I don't mean to take shots at you. I'm just also <laughs> sour. <laughs> I just love how widely we veer from topic to topic. I really do. Like this is the thing <sighs> with having ADHD. <sighs> like. What did, what did we yeah. originally say? We said this was going to be about ennui, burnout, and the pandemic. And I'm ranting about, like, polyamorous, like, situations. And the benefits of testing. Oh. Well, we have, definitely, we have definitely ranted for, like, full episode time and then quite a yeah. lot. We probably could have done a fourth episode, but I think... Probably. I think at this point I should let you get ready for your, your date, which is coming oh, up. Oh, yes. Very hot date of... Uh probably more american dad like maybe some hot hey chocolate. at least you're at least you're trying like hot chocolate and american dad are like healthy behaviors because when you're depressed and you can't Absolutely. do anything soothing yourself is good it's not like you're throwing on battlestar galactica active contrition <laughs> and just like crying as starbucks spirals horribly out of control <laughs> clearly i have never done that no that's so specific. completely that random example yeah. Didn't need to be that specific. Yeah. I could have said any episode. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I might put Lord of the Rings on now. That's legit. Yeah. <laughs> <Death> or... <laughs> kind of. It's like once a year for me, and oh, that, that one little thing is like, well, I think that might be happening, so clear my schedule. You are going to laugh so hard when you see him huck his body I'm... off of that fucking, ah. like, bastion. Like, you're going to think of me laughing maniacally about how I'm like, that's a choice, bud. Like, <laughs> Yeah. For the rest of my life, that is what's happening when I watch that. <laughs> so, like, thank you for that. You're most and welcome. Thank you so much for, uh, for entertaining my rambling but honestly and and the same the same in, re- in return like, i very much enjoyed rambling through our conversations and so did i as always wonderful well i look forward to chatting with you again at some future point and we can ramble all over the place yeah absolutely it's so much fun well thank you so much lauren so how did you like it intimates discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate victor or tweet at me at intimate victor or follow my Instagram at, guess what, Intimate Victor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of coffee to help keep the show going, head to patreon.com forward slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours to enjoy. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is Gymnopédie Number no. 1 by Eric Satie, and this closing music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI saxophonist. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may all of your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well. <laughs>